Like, what do you expect? What did you expect? What did you expect? It's an idiot. It's an idiot. <laughs> yes, he's an idiot. Welcome to Side Select. You will notice that I'm, in fact, not Foxdrop. Uh, I will be subbing in for him today as host, which will probably be to the detriment of everyone here and probably to all of you at home. Uh, I am joined, as always, by Thorin, the man who this week, according to Reddit, claims that he actually invented esports. That's a new one, but apparently you've been going around telling everyone you invented esports. That's definitely not just a massive representation of something that you said. Uh, I'm also joined by the prophet formerly known as Crumbs, um, also rumoured to be the man or the inspiration, at least, behind the Giga Chad meme. But who can say how much truth is like that? A yeah, little bit, yeah, not bad. Uh, and last, but certainly not least, uh, I'm also joined by LPL and EU Masters caster Orcs, um, who also, fun little bit of trivia, used to play support for Excel back in the day. Yeah. But if we're honest, probably literally outside uh, of your family, well, no one really knew that fact, did they, Orcs? If we're... If we're Couple being... of people, I try and remind people because we won, right? And XL hasn't really won anything since. But uh, yeah, no, no one really cares. It is Ox short for auxiliary. Yeah, yeah. I used so to be. Your theme is you're just the fucking beta. You're just like I'll be your support. Like I'll be on the gang. Like, look, I don't want to be the leader of the star, but I'll be in the gang. Like, can, can I? Can I join, guys? Is that your yeah, old shtick? What's going yeah. on? But, I, I mean, that was my role, right? And I uh, thought it made sense. So yeah, I would be point. amiss if I didn't ask you why you decided to name yourself after what is basically an audio cable device. I was curious about that, um, but I think Thorin may have it, sort of answered it. Yeah, it was I, It was actually, I was going to change my name on League just before I was a pro or anything. And, one of, and I, I played support. One of my friends said I should go on Wikipedia and pick a random article. And it came up auxiliary. And I was like, that fits. And so I made it auxiliary. And then like a bit later, the name just like Orcs on League came available. And I thought everyone called me Orcs anyway, because no one's going to say auxiliary. So I just shortened it and then... That's that's literally the whole. Story. Would you change it to just O X Ox, because it kind of sounds the same too, and it's a, at least it's something. If it comes available on League, then yeah, I will I will change uh. it again. Right, moving swiftly on, and what I thought would be fitting, as he's not here, I'm not going to steal Fox Drop's whole food thing, but I am instead going to hit you guys with a would you rather question. Now, I want you to think about this before you answer it, because it might not be as obvious as you first think. I think it's actually levels to this question, by the way. So the question is, would you rather have to look after a hamster-sized dog or a dog-sized hamster? I'm going to go to you first, Crumbs. Hit me. Hamster-sized dog or a dog-sized... Oh, a hamster-sized dog. Easy. Already, there's so many hamster-sized dogs here in Los Angeles. It's like I can clearly see how people take care of them. They're a hand accessory, and they're not even a pet anymore. They're actually like a ring or a bracelet. It's a hand dog, so it's quite easy to take care of. Fair enough. Orcs, what about you? Can I yeah, tempt you with the I, hamster? Nah, I feel like a dog-sized hamster would go gnawing through all your furniture and stuff. I feel like it would be a proper pain if it was just like in your house. So, yeah, I think hamster-sized dog. Sure. <laughs> the thing is, I already like dogs, so just having a smaller dog would actually just be easier. Like, you wouldn't have to walk in as much, your shit smaller. But what, what people aren't thinking about with the dog sized hamster is, like, it's already disgusting when they do that, like, weird cylindrical shit anyway. Who wants one to be that big? You have to carry it out. The teeth. No. Imagine how big those teeth would get, too. They have to gnaw things to keep those down. That is a nightmare waiting to happen. Think about how long it's going to take to flush it down the fucking toilet. <laughs> 
<laughs> get a segmented. You'll have to use the fucking plunger and everything. It'll be it'll be a whole scene. Thing is, I think you've all missed a trick here, right? Which is that hamsters live about two to three years, and that dog you're probably going to be stuck with for twelve. 14 years. Which is fine. I mean, that means <laughs> you have to discard the corpse. <laughs> now you got to get rid of the corpse even sooner. <laughs> See, there's a, there's a flaw in the way you set the premise up here. You didn't say that we don't want to have it. Like, you're just going, oh, your pet will live longer and he'll enjoy it more. Like, okay, like, I'm not like a missing club. So to I'm, be I'm fair. Yeah, sounds awesome. To great. be fair, I did phrase it as look after rather than... Right. Okay. You know, you dream. So there we go. I was a bit, bit sneaky with that one. But it's anyway, well, I, would, I would rather ask that question of Richard Gear <laughs> about four people Richard who old school fucking nano urban uh, legend. My, my, I've heard right, that name right. before. Just isn't Google that the actor? Google That's Google the actor, isn't it? Yeah, just Google yeah. it. It's a little freebie for you. There. It's a guy from Chicago. Yeah, and uh, all four of you who got that reference at home. Congratulations, you win nothing. Uh, right, so today we will obviously be previewing MSI. Now, before we jump into previewing, I feel we do need to kind of lay out a little bit of context about certain things that are surrounding the event. So obviously, first and foremost, due to the 2022 Russian invasion of the Ukraine, the LCL will not be sending a representative to MSI. Sort of goes without saying. Um, I believe that would have been UOL's Russian team, but I could be wrong. So. And they're not going, yeah. so I don't really care. Um, also, due to uh, Gigabyte Marines esports qualification to the SEA Games 31, they will also not be attending MSI. Now, I actually ECS wanted, yeah, I actually wanted to just briefly, you know, quickly throw this round to you guys as well. Am I missing something here? Like, why is the SEE Games 31 taking precedence over MSI. Like in what universe? Like to me, again, I don't. I'm not an expert. Obviously, I assume there's some kind of national pride thing, or you know, pressure to to represent something in the Asian Games more so than in a video game, specifically a video game tournament. But to me, this is like, I don't know, if a national football team or not a national football team, like a, a football team ditching the Champions League to go and play like some commonwealth fucking low-level tournament or something like do, do you guys know why this would take such precedence is it just a nationalistic thing or, or what's going on here I mean, if you just take the analogy you gave though like the problem is like league of legends in esports isn't like the champions league it's not universally recognized it's not considered something respectable most countries probably don't give a fuck or care so it's more like if football itself was considered an amateur sport but then the world cup or the olympics had football in it and then obviously that would take precedence so even though to you and me we don't give a fuck about this tournament like i would assume it like it is like magnitudes more important whatever this sea games just like the asian games is to chinese people and koreans than a video game tournament so the difference is actually i think the joke is to real life people who aren't in esports they'd flip it the other way and go you think it's more important to go to a silly little video game tournament than like represent your country in like a, a sporting endeavor so like i think it just, just shows how perspective is everything yeah, I even know that for the Asian games, the Korean team, if they win, they don't have to do military service anymore. So, like, it, it's a, I feel like it's a pretty big deal that I like. I don't wow, know the now, but price. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a that's a big yeah. price. So, I don't that's think people come, realize that's why they come to an A. Like in the West as well, 
part of it is that people just are far less patriotic and nationalistic. I mean, part of that's to do with things like formation of the EU, the fact that you have global trade and all that jazz. But also there's another factor, which is like people just make too much money doing their real job in the West. So if people don't know, like in the NHL, in certain other sports like basketball, sometimes there were years if people don't know that the best USA basketball players went, I can't be arsed playing on the Olympic team. I'm not doing it and just stayed at home. Same thing in the NHL. There's been years where the team was just too successful domestically. You don't bother going to the World Championship. You let whatever team, whatever it might be, Russia, it might be Canada, yeah, just play without you. That's a real thing because you make so much. So I think in the West, we're also just divorced from the idea of like, it's important to rep your country and it means so much. Like, by the way, the, here's the weird thing people don't get. That it's not, people think it's the other way around. People think, right, well, when esports gets big enough, then they won't have to skip. It's the other way around. If esports gets bigger, there will be more of these tournaments. It will be more important to represent your country. In fact, in the future, if they have massive tournaments like this and you choose not to represent whatever country you're from, you'll be considered a traitor. That'll be the that'll be the national spin against you. So I think it'll be more of these tournaments in the future, sadly. Yeah. That's something else I was considering. It's like you're Going to MSI, you're probably not going to be making much money. You're probably not making much money already in this tournament. Why not just take the chance that there actually is a bigger price pool or there, there is just some way to make more money on playing a tournament that you're almost guaranteed to perform way better at than at MSI. And if it's a matter of continuing your living to play video games, easily pass up on MSI, take this, continue your national pride, and keep yourself at the top of your game in that region so you can easily play more tournaments as they come around. Because you know MSI is not as big a deal as Worlds anyways. You're going to go to Worlds regardless. You're the Marines. It's going to be easy to pass up on this one, take your home victory, and then go try to win at Worlds. Well, color me educated. And as Orc said, if, you know, for certain people, it means they can literally never have to do military service. That is a pretty fuck fucking big carrot at the end of that stick isn't it um the final bit of context that we need to give and maybe we'll talk about this uh more a little bit later in the show um royal never give up will be there as the chinese representative but obviously they're playing from home they won't actually physically be at the tournament um right cool so let's get straight into uh looking and previewing these groups now i thought we'd actually just immediately start with the one which has the most Western interest, which is obviously Group C, which is EG, G2, and Order, who are from uh, the Oceanic region. Now, obviously, you'll notice as well, I assume this is because of uh, multiple teams not showing up. There are literally only three teams in this group. Um, I assume that's not something they're going to fix before the end, or I don't know. But um, So working on that basis, me not really knowing much about Order... Uh, I'm going to first hit it to you, Crumbs, as the resident sort of LCS enjoyer. Um, in terms of, you know, people have spoken a lot at length about EG and what their actual level is. And obviously, that like the G2, they came through the lower bracket, but they just kind of steamrolled everyone. Can you sort of contextualize, at least in your head, like how, how good do you actually feel that EG are? Obviously, we have a decent idea relative to their performance. But when you watch their games, do you see a team who can do something internationally? Or do you just think... This is the best team NA have to offer, but, you know, they're not a great world-class team potentially uh, who can potentially do something. So I think the context for EG and how good they are has to start at the beginning of the year before the first matches were played, even in the pre-game tournament. They were already being talked as the best junk, the best team, like, period. No one was playing any ma stage matches. They just had scrims, and the word was inspired as the best jungler in, in the LCS. That's it. This is what's making this team so good. And you've got Impact, really solid. Jojo Pyun, who's constantly improving, and then they flounder. They really flop. They got crushed by TL. And so 
the concern was, oh, maybe we were wrong. Maybe the read on, on EG wasn't quite there. And it just seems like right at the very end, they actually managed to turn things around and really hone into who their carries were, which is just playing around mid, transition into bottom, get them a lead with a solid draft, allow Vulcan to engage with Danny to peel. So they really figured out their stride right towards the very end, which is to me saying, okay, you kept your potential from the first day, you now have it. How much further can you develop it, though? Because you just managed to show it. You haven't really managed to improve upon what was already expected of or at least thought that you could achieve. And my concern for this team is how much better can Danny and Vulcan get? That's really it. I have no doubt that JoJo, Danny, or JoJo Impact and Impact will perform. They'll keep up internationally. They've got good picks. They know what they need to do. Is, is, the question is, is bottom lane going to get crushed? How badly can they get out of can they get out of lane, transition Danny into a lead, and then team fight? If that's fine, I think they've got a good shot to go far in the tournament. But you're not up against easy bot laners. You're eventually going to have to face Gumayushi and Karia, no matter what. And that's really where the concern is. And hoping that they get a lot of practice in Korean scrims is where they could improve a little bit. But if there is anything that could cause EG's downfall, it's the laning phase in bot lane. So yeah, I think you made a, a really interesting point and something that Thorin and a lot of other people pointed out immediately after the uh, LCS finals, which is every or the, the whole narrative all the way through was, oh, look what you can do with North American rookies like uh, Danny and um, Jojo Piang, like amazing. But if we're honest, especially in the finals, they weren't the best players on their team, were they? Like, they basically got carried by their imports. So, yeah, no, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, yeah, Orcs, I'll go to you next. What do you what do you think about EG? Do you think, and let's sort of talk relative to the group as well, I guess. Do you think they have a good shout? I mean, obviously, if there are still going to be three teams in this group at the start, yeah. they're both going to go through, out. right? But I, I, I feel like it's going to be a really fun group because we get like four times EU and A face each other and there's going to be so much trash talk and everything. But unless something really crazy happens, they, they're just both going to make it out and it just won't really impact the tournament other than maybe one of the team's mental booms. I think, honestly, against G2, like Crumb's saying how, you know, if the bot lane gets demolished, that could be an issue. I don't think G2 are a team who you have to be massively concerned about bot lane getting demolished, at least in the 2v2. Targmas tends to be more, like, roam heavy. So I feel like I'd be more concerned than going up against the likes of RNG or T1 because I think... I think T1's bot lane are the best in the world. I think RNG are good enough to match up to T1's bot lane, but I feel like it's a big drop off from there. And if you can't hold up in lane, you're just gonna like auto lose against those teams. Okay. And Thorin, what do you think about EG? How do you think they stack up? Let's let's frame it in a slightly uh, different way. In terms of like when NA has sent their best team to international mm -hmm. events recently, do you feel like this is a team that stacks up favorably in terms of past performance? Do you think they'll do well or do you think relative to their region's history that they're just another also ran? I think this is obviously, I don't think it's even debatable as the worst team that's ever been sent to MSI because if you go to MSI normally, you've won LCS, which means that in theory, you're supposed to be like one of the best Western teams. Like you're supposed to be in contention with whoever wins Europe. You can't say that about the Evil Geniuses team. Like to me, I think it's a really cool story that they won LCS and I think a lot of praise goes to the aforementioned role players, the coaching staff. But the problem is, like if this was like when Team Liquid or 
a Cloud9 team goes, like, on paper, they're supposed to have, like, a Dark Horse status. Bear in mind, you only get two top Asian teams. They're supposed to have, like, a Dark Horse status to win the whole thing a la G2 2019. This team has none of that chance. There is functionally a 0% chance Evil Geniuses wins the event. Like, so take winning off the table immediately. The thing that I do find interesting is this, though. I actually think this team won't play anything like the other NA teams, though. Like, I don't think they will make the same mistake of you play the boot camp, you get trashed in scrims, you just change your whole style and copy some shit version. What they I think essentially they will bring the strengths of what they did in the playoffs that got them to MSI and apply it in MSI. So the cool thing is this, there's no chance they're going to the final and winning. That's not happening. But I do actually think in light of the strength being how they were able to sort of actually, I think like prop up and sometimes even hide the NA players and then draft well around them. I think that for example, like in their group, I think since they played G2 a bunch of times, I think they win at least one of these BO ones. You're telling me like, first of all, again, like you were just saying, it's not like the G2 bot lane is just to destroy everyone. There's already something you've got. Secondly, I actually think the Giorgio Pion guy, he'll have at least one or two BO1s where he actually has a really good game. Like, I think people will be under... under. They, I don't think, essentially, people from other countries will expect, like, his actual, like, mechanical skills pretty good. The problem is, he's not, like, a mega player. Like, he doesn't have some great decision-making late in the game. Like, he can't win you five games or whatever. He win you one or two. Maybe have one or two, you win. So, I think they could beat EG. I think in light of the whole fucking ping angle... There's maybe even a miracle world where later on when they play like an RNG, they could win a game off them. I think it's literally essentially functionally impossible for them to beat T1. Like, I think if you tell T1 they're going to have like a team that's going to play like a fucking basic ass tank in the top lane, engage support and a front to back team, like the T T1's going to be like, oh, I've only played my entire life to destroy that. Yeah, I think I'll just go ahead and crush it. Like, there's not even a chance they beat them. So that's why I don't think they have a chance to do anything like big time. But I actually think when you look at like the fact that they should know their underdogs and they, I think they actually will try and draft and do some of the similar things. I think like they will actually be probably an underrated dark horse team to get the odd upset. That's what I'm looking for. Just get a, get me some BO1s. I think you were right in saying that the the team isn't the best we've sent in the sense that the hype is just so large just on the fact that we're doing something different. Finally, something else is happening. It doesn't even matter if it's going to work. We just know that the same things in the past did not work and finally someone else is going to try something new and we're getting way too ahead of ourselves in the NA fandom thinking that, oh, this is the one. Like, just the first chance at doing the not the mistake is going to win. It's like, no, probably not. It'll take quite some time to develop that, but that's what the hype is. It's that finally a team that has an entirely different approach to the game is going to compete internationally and people are getting a little bit too overconfident with that. So let me just quickly hit back at something you said, Thorin, and play devil's advocate. Because a lot of people would say, what's he talking about? You know, they were three zero back to back three zeros, three zeros. Like, is this really like a, a weak team that we're sending? What, what do you what would you say to those people? And do you think that sort of more is a, a commentary on how weak NA is a, as a whole? Or how do you sort of... Uh, how do you justify saying that they're a very weak team? It's a simple analytical pattern that anyone who's followed any game should be able to understand when I explain. If you 3-0 all the favourites and they look like shit in the game... You're amazing. You should get all the praise because you must be stomping them. Nobody gave them all the praise. Nobody said, like, I just is incredible. But they're 3-0 on everyone and stomping them. So the problem is, if no one gave you the praise, that means they actually think you did 3-0, but the other team played really badly. So my problem is, I also don't think that EG, like, the eye test wasn't amazing. Like, I even said this, like, dude, some of the games, like, you would watch the game and be like, how did they win? They didn't really seem to do anything. Like, didn't the other team just, like, hit a couple of kills into them and then just get behind? 
In fact, they were even giving up fucking dragons half the time. Still didn't stop them winning or losing the game in any way. Like, so I, I personally think that, like, here's the difference. When G2 3-0'd people, some of those wins looked really impressive. There was shit stomping them. There was none of that on the EG side. No one was raving even about any player to win MVP. You'll notice. There was, aside from the whole Danny angle, but that was just because the crowd was fucking get hyped. They beat TL, wasn't it? Like, aside from that, no one really get put that much praise on the player. So I would just say everyone actually agrees with me. You just haven't framed it the same way. Fair enough. Giving up the dragons was a big deal too, because you gave up a lot of dragons, and then it suddenly it got it got uh, turned into it's like, oh, it was a strat. They just didn't care about dragons. They wanted to keep up pressure the whole time. What a revolutionary new exactly. approach to the game. It's like uh, I don't think against most teams this is gonna work, but okay, it worked here. I mean, yeah, Cloud Nine will got some dragons as well. It's like, oh yeah, they're so good. They knew that Ocean Soul didn't matter. It's like this doesn't seem like a sustainable strategy. No, I think especially like this season, the concept of getting two or three dragons behind is like complete disaster in most contexts. So yeah, I I, I don't buy that either. Um, okay, I'm just going to kind of glance over uh, order because to be honest, I'm assuming none of us are super informed on their sort of pros and cons. But does anyone have any reason to believe they'll do anything? anything about them. I don't even care about them, especially because here's the reason why. Because we now know that you can just be considered an NA resident if you come from this region. So, spoiler, if there's anyone good, they're either in NA already or they'll be there next year. So, I wouldn't worry about it. I don't give a fuck about order. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think the other thing to say as well with order is for them to sort of like, oh my god, wow, amazing, they somehow got through their group. You really do need that fourth team where basically all three of you, G2, EG, and Order, all beat the fuck out of whoever the fourth team is. And then there's like a couple of lucky BO1s where you get managed to get a game off EG or something, and then EG inexplicably drops a game to the bottom of the t table team. I feel like those scenarios don't really exist in a three-team... It's more impressive if somehow they got out of this group. Though, well, for sure. Because it's just almost impossible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you'd have yeah. to you have to beat G2 and EG to get out. Well, I feel like they kind of would want... Like, if G2 just... Annihilate EG like they 4 0 them. I feel like that gives them the best odds because then maybe they get a, a game of G2 or they get a couple of e, EG. That's that's just that's the best case scenario. I think it's unlikely, but I feel like if if G2 just stomp EG, that, that'd probably favor them. I figured the out way, there's wait, there's, there's three you, kinds you, of people. Can you hear outside my window a drilling sound or something, by the way? No, like, no, oh, no. never mind. The door, door. I yeah. thought it was like there's three kinds way. of people that watch the Ocean Neo League you've got NA scouts. You've got people that play in the Oceania League and people that bet on games because it's so obviously top-end stacked. That's really it. So I Order guess. has just been the most dominant team there the whole time. I think it was but that doesn't mean they're good. I think it's also, why am I going to bet on an Australian fucking game when they haven't even told me who's rigged the game to win? I'm not a fucking fool. I wasn't born yesterday. I feel like it was kind of interesting because actually they, they had like a similar playoff situation to G2 and uh eg but like they all three of them were fourth and all three of them like had lower bracket runs and actually like orders like full oceanic team and they beat like teams with korean imports and stuff which was kind of cool i think that jungle that jungle looks pretty good i think he's probably a player who we could see going over to, to the lcs but yeah i i still or think x7 would be a great tournament for them or x7 why not yeah Right, so obviously the uh, third team in the group is G2 of the LEC. And I guess it's kind of a similar sort of question. What do we think about G2 in terms of, you know, relative strength to their, re you know, to their region? Did the best 
LEC team go? Obviously, I would probably think yes. But how, how strong is this G2 team? Obviously, we're not expecting G2 2019 vibes, I would assume. But what should the reasonable expectations be for this G2 team? I'll start with you, Orcs. Uh, I feel like, based on what people have talked about in EU in terms of them in scrims, uh, they kind of managed to show that on stage. I've heard people say that they're a, a good team in terms of preparing for their opponents. So I feel like it's a good chance for EU. I don't think they beat D1. I think stylistically they're a good matchup for RNG. So I, I feel like you know they should be aiming for like top two in the tournament. Um, and in the group, I think they should they should come out first. So when you say good matchup for RNG, you mean it's fav G2 favored? You see that potentially. So I think stylistically it's G2 favored. I still think that RNG are better players. I just think that like uh, the fact that well, like one of the big issues with RNG has been like if you their playoff run against top esports, like they they lost early game, like majority of the games they played against them, and then they brought it back. I feel like the way Jankos played the finals, he was very creative with like his early ganks and early pathing. I think that's something you can do to punish RNG. Um, and then if you don't flub the mid to late game like top esports did. Like all the time, I think you should be able to take games. But there's a big litmus test. It's like you know, you to do that, you have to be a team who have good enough players to just match up the RNG. Like it's not like oh, if you have an aggressive early game and you're just a random team, you're going to be able to beat RNG. But I think that is the style of play that matches best against them. You're muted, by the way. Yeah, you're muted. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, Thorin, what do you what do you think about G two? Like, what should uh, the expectation be? Firstly, for for this group, or I guess more specifically for the EG matchup, and also, you know, what what should fans think is a reasonable uh, result for G two at this tournament? I think we can do the group quickly. If they don't top the group, they have absolutely fucked up, and they should have enormous questions asked about them. So that's straight out the way. Then, secondly, in light of the fact that everyone has to play on thirty-five ping, I actually think that that actually should make it a higher chance as G two that you can win the tournament or make the final or be second, etc. Because I actually think it's more of a disadvantage to LCK and LPL to be on thirty-five ping than it is like Europe essentially plays all their scrims on thirty-five ping anyway. Like, yeah, true. And they've had a whole bunch of the last foot bloody splits that were all online anyway till they got to a certain point. So I actually think, for me, generally, I actually don't think G2 is that great. I also think if I was... By the way, I could also say a similar thing, as I said with EG. Like, I actually think probably the worst team ever to go to MSI was probably the Fnatic with Steel back in the first one. But aside from that, this is probably the second worst team to go. Like, I don't think it realistically has a chance to win the tournament. I think T1 will definitely beat them. I also think probably RNG will beat them. So I would say the RNG match is the one that would matter to me is can they come second i think second in light of all the the bullshit of the rest of their problems with the event i think if you're really as good as people want them to be you should have a chance at second i just don't think they will i think they'll be third in the end i for example i don't think lords of the things they got in the playoffs of lec will even apply to this tournament like even though you said like they're the best in the lec I mean, only because they won the games. So, yeah, okay. Like, did they look the best? I, I, not really. Like, I thought when they played their, like, best possible game, the best games of, like, Rogue looked better than that, for example. I thought the overall player level, aside from the bad games, of the Fanatics of the world were better. So I actually think it's another it's another team that's not the best in the region that we've sent. So the event scuffed enough. They might have a chance. I actually think the other stuff maybe gives them a better chance. If this was a normal MSI where it's all online, everyone's on zero ping, you have, like, an amazing team from China, you have an amazing team from LCC, I would say they're going to definitely finish third. And then if any had had a, like a Cloud9 type team, maybe they'd even be a sort of 50-50 to lose that match. So I'm not actually that hyped. Like it'll basically involve for me, 
like what sort of read on the meta they've got because I also think it wasn't to the great degree EG did but I do think the coaching staff of G2 also did a really great job in the playoffs and looked like they sort of figured some areas out in the meta that the others either not only hadn't explored but like also they could sort of like wait and save to use in certain matches against certain but you're not going to have any of that MSI I don't think so I would imagine there'll just be more it'll be more of sort of just, I've personally personally I think MSI because you only play a limited number of opponents for me it's a form tournament it's not even really about like how you prepare against just it's more like how good is the team just for this week and so I don't think this is a crazy stacked squad I think it's not a bad little team but I think second's best I would expect third Fair enough. What about you, Crumbs? I'm looking out for just the 2v2 mid, really. Like, I don't think ni neither G2 or EG is going to win this thing. They got a lot of matches together. It's kind of what Thorin said. It's just to check each other. See how good NA is versus EU. That's really what we get most out of this, especially with the, the three teams in the group. And if you look at the champion pools between mid and jungle, super similar here. And I think that's what's going to make this matchup exciting. You've got a lot of Jarvan. A lot of Volibear, a lot of Trundle, some Viego in playoffs as well. So both Yankos and Inspired had these champions. You see Graves really coming together as a jungler right now. Inspired played him a little bit. This could be a pick that's going to be contested. So that's going to make the matchup a little bit exciting. And then mid, you've got both players who love playing Silas and are going to be prioritizing that and Ari. So you have a lot of overlap in the champion pools for picks to 2v2 more than anything else. So... That's really it. How good is Inspired Jojo versus Caps and Yankos? Caps and Yankos seem to dominate during playoffs. They're huge veterans. They're essentially the veterans that EG has, right? G2 has some new players, and the two veterans that have stayed the longest that have serious international experience are the strongest members and the 2v2 core against Jojo, who is really going to be tested with that. So that's what I want to see. I have no interest in them winning the whole tournament. I just want to see how they fare against each other because they have more matches than anybody else and we finally get to put it to the test and it helped that Jojo did a little bit of trash talk to calling out EU that he's in the shit on them and that's going to make it more exciting. Jojo does seem to be just the ultimate 17-year-old edgelord on Twitter though, doesn't he? Like people We need that. We needed that. We, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I agree by the way. Like, I'd rather see like people being sort of abrasive and creating their own storylines just from basic fucking tweets like it's not that hard guys to build up your brand i do think he is a bit sort of on the uh yeah just pure he's a fortnite player yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's just call of duty lo lobby level insults really isn't it but still like it's better than just being oh but thank you to the sponsor like yeah whatever mate um okay cool now very quickly i just want to whiz around and get your opinion on did both eu and NA send the correct team? Orcs. Uh, obviously, by definition, they did, by the way. I'm not fucking stupid. But yeah, obviously, your opinions on who would you have... If you would have to sub out either of these teams, who would it be? Or do you think that, that uh, the playoffs got it right? Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like it's pretty hard to call because uh, I feel like TL... Like, our expectation with TL was so much higher throughout the entire split. And I would have... I would have sent them if they're in form, but they just completely flopped in playoffs. So yeah, if if we got TL in form, I'd probably say them. But uh, regarding EU, again, it's like you know, I feel like I'm heavily biased by the playoff form. Fnatic completely flopped. Um, I feel like, like going into playoffs, I would have said Fnatic for sure. But I think I'd probably stick with G2 in that regard. I have faith in Caps and Yankos. Fair enough. What about you, Crumbs? Yeah, I think so. They bo Both these teams had the most flexible drafts and had better meta reason than anybody else. 
In N8, the other meta read teams were terrible. They had no idea what they were doing with the patch, which just makes me think that if you have a team that has a better meta read, that's almost good enough to win you or to get you really close to advancing through a tournament bracket. So that's good enough for me to say that the, the scouting team and the players can have more versatility than any other team that was sent. And G2 had the same run towards the end. They had a better meta read. They knew what picks were going to be really prioritized, what was safe, what was good in a 2v2, in the mid-2v2 as well, in the, in the top laners playing the Trindamir, playing split pushers. So they knew what they were doing with picks. And that's really what a lot of the tournament comes down to. Right? It's international teams bringing their own read to the meta and saying, all right, let's put it to the test. Which one is better? And have faith that the two teams that the West sent had the best meta reads. And that's already a strong starting point for sending the best team. I'm going off the premise that I'm not doing it based domestic. I'm doing it based on like how good would this team potentially be at MSI, as in, is that the right team to send? So by that logic, I go like this. Right. The problem is, I actually think Liquid was whack the whole playoffs, just like yeah. Cloud9. So in my opinion, if you're not going with EG, you have to take whichever CNRTL, but based on regular season. So on the regular season, at least if that regular season Cloud9 could have gone, then Summit, Berserker, and maybe Blabber could all actually have maybe even given a good showing. Like Those are all players that can mix it up with the best internationally. So I think that at least would have been like an outside chance for something fun from C9. And then similar reasoning actually for LEC. So my problem is this. I saw the guys from Fnatic blow two series and look really shit. And the whole time, I never thought they got the jungler Razork really like integrated in the team. So I think they would have been absolutely torn up by the T1s and the RNGs of the world. So I actually think the best European team to send would have been Rogue. Minus the final, even in the games they were losing against Fnatic, they were still showing resilience. They were coming back into them. The skill of the players was there. The, the drafting was good. The whole split, they were great teams. I think I would have rather seen those two teams sent personally. Yeah, you would no. have rather seen C9 over EG with no. somebody Wait, like you're talking is, like the peak peak C9 before they yes. started. The, yes. Okay. The question so is, you're choosing like right week thing. one to four. That's that's C9. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because any week after, like, there's no way that's the C9 you want to see there. Yeah. I'm only going for individual players on this one, man. Okay. Well, I think I think the point you made, Crumbs, about the meta read is a good one. I actually spoke to players who played against G2 when they started their sort of lower, did their lower bracket run, and they just said that they were a nightmare to draft against. Like, that they always felt like they had their number in the draft and that they just had these random ace up, uh, aces up their sleeve that they could point to and that no one really knew what was going on. So, yeah, no, I think that's a good, good shouts all round. Okay, cool. Then moving swiftly on to group a which is skt's group which also has saigon buffalo from obviously the vietnam region detonation focus me from japan and team a's from latin america now i don't expect any of you guys to have a super deep knowledge on most of these teams apart from t1 so i'll phrase it like this and i'll come to you first for and actually on this do you think T1 has any... I mean, what is their goal in this group to sort of try out as many picks as possible? I mean, there's no way they don't go through here in first place, right? Like, do you, do you expect them to hit any roadblocks here whatsoever other than maybe hubris? Uh, look, I mean, in just in light of past tournaments, like I think they've reached the point now where you have to at least like take Detonation Focus Me seriously if you just look at all the last international tournaments. Like clearly the team is not complete trash. Even some of the Koreans that they've been able to get over the years, they don't have exactly the same players now, but they clearly, like this is the thing people don't realise. There really is such an insane depth of talent in Korea that like, I know it seems mad that a lesser region with a Korean, well, be a lesser Korean. Like that Korean could actually be really good. You never know. Hence why if people don't know the story, Crown, 
Young, the guy who won the World Championship, once was just on a Brazilian team. Spoiler, he wasn't even on the best one. He was just on a Brazilian team. Like So I, already, I think you have to at least take them seriously. But I actually think in line with what you're saying, the reason why it's not even impossible T1 might lose a random B or 1 in this group is because if I know anything about Koreans traditionally, they won't give away anything in these games. They will just play the most standard meta everyone has seen currently on the patch. And they will maybe, they might even fuck around with alternative picks that they're just not going to use later. Just like something that works in one game and we're doing it to just style on you, basically. I think essentially they'll give away as little as possible. That's usually what I think the Korean mentality is. By the way... I think even doing that, they're, they're not losing a game. They're not dropping not. a single yeah, game. Yeah, probably not. What's interesting, by the way, about Detonation Focus is that they actually have three Koreans. I'm guessing, <laughs> I'm just looking at the Wikipedia thing, I'm guessing the player, the jungler's steel, I'm guessing he must be a Japanese resident because it says he joined the team in 2017. So maybe that's how that's possible. But otherwise, they've just got different import rules over there. But no, I, I guess that's, that must be the reason he must be a resident. It says on Wikipedia that he's a Japanese resident. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So yeah, they have three Koreans. So yeah, three, ti three times the upset potential, I guess. What do you think, Grums? What do you think about They're learning from an A. They're learning. They know how to how to make their full Korean team bending the import rules. Yeah, I mean, this is really just T1. Uh, I want to see what Team Ace does just because I'm interested in Latin American teams doing well. But the level, the skill level between Detonation, Saigon, and Team Ace, to me, just looks like they're going to be the same. That's going to be interchangeable. These three can just compete for each other and then get potentially have a... a a way out, depending on how bad Group C's top seed looks, there is a chance that if Group A's seed B looks pretty decent or improves, and if Group C's look bad, there's a way that this team actually advances past one round of the playoff bracket, which is, I think, their hope here. So potentially that's what this team can go for, but I think everybody's just looking out for T1. They just want to see everything that T1 does, copy it, learn as much as you can from this team, which is why Thorin's strategy or view on how this Korean team's going to play makes so much sense. No one gives a shit about these other three teams. Everyone is just watching T1. They want to see any mistake, any outplay. Everything they do is going to be so scrutinized so they know just play rigid, don't give away too much, win as easily as you can. If you can show nothing and win swiftly, that'll send the best message that they could possibly come up with, and I think that's their goal. If you had to pick, obviously, again, but a lot of this will be guesswork on our part, but if you had to pick a team that you think will... Uh, make it out of the groups along with T1. Who would you who would you put your money on? Uh, Detonation, yeah, the three Korean team. I think statistically speaking, you, if you actually looked at all of the international tournament data, if you just had placed money on every single team based on how many Koreans they had, you would be a very wealthy man right now. So I think someone once did that some trend. stat like that where if you just picked the one with more Koreans, it did actually like overall win more. Yeah, you it was like eighty five percent win rate. <laughs> The other thing to mention as well is from doing shows with Nymira, who does commentary for this region, I believe he said that sometimes teams like Detonation Focus Me actually do get scrim time against like LCK teams. I assume the bottom ones, but you know, like they do get the odd scrim. So they're also not one of those teams that like, they're not really out in the middle of nowhere with no connection to like civilization or whatever in this context of being good legal. Like they're actually practicing potentially better opponents than like Europeans get maybe. So is, I would assume they're half decent at least. Is it the norm for players in like the Japanese region? Do they get access and do they play like solo queue on Korean solo yeah, queue? I, I think they also, as far as I know, all the Asian countries that can play solo queue there, you just, it's just obviously you're going to have way higher ping. 
Kelsey okay. Moza had a chat with their coach and he was saying that like all the players play in Korean solo queue, which is obvious for the Koreans, and that they, they scrim teams from like every country around them, like scrim LPL teams, LCK teams, and even like the other smaller regions as well. Like I think the thing is like detonation focus me is like so far above the rest of their region. And it's because, you know, they, they get a lot out of their practice with other regions. So I feel like they look they're gonna look pretty good, but <laughs> I don't think they're gonna be T1. Uh, they're a legit org and i think that's the advantage that they have out of all these regions what usually happens is you just get a random new top team continue rising to the top but no one's been able to dethrone that nation and they're serious in other titles too so i think they are probably the most established and resilient japanese esport org and as they continue to do well people start to respect japanese esports and associate detonation success with the whole scene it's kind of strange that uh, you would have thought, you know, holistically, if we all st took a step back and thought, you know, uh, esports doesn't exist yet, um, that Japan would be one of the places that would really, you know, embrace it and be one of the biggest sort of uh, countries involved in esports. It's kind of strange how that hasn't really happened as such. And they're still sort of a, an also ran so far. Um, do you have anything else to say uh, on this group, Orcs? Or what are your... Yeah. I honestly think, for me, this group's a bit more interesting. I feel like it's kind of a shame that Saigon Buffalo here, like, is a second seed. But I feel like uh, Vietnam against Japan, I feel like that's a matchup that I feel like could go more uh, either way. But I feel like Detonation Focus will for sure be out Saigon Buffalo. But if you look at the other groups, like, I think Group C, it's pretty obvious who's going to be top two. I think Group B, I, 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 I'm more firm on who's top two. I feel like the second place is a bit like a little bit more up in the air in this group, which makes it more interesting for me. But I think T1 will just smash everyone. So it's kind of first is locked and it's just who gets second. Okay, cool. So now on to group B. And here, obviously, again, sort of the big team, as it were, is obviously uh, RNG. Um, I want to start with you on this, Hawks, because first I want to sort of, again, frame their level of participation. We're not going to get into the ping stuff yet or whatever. I want to hear from you, obviously, as someone who covers the uh, LPL. Do you think China sent the right team or is the right team attending? And how good are Royal give, uh, Never Give Up? Again, in, in sort of uh, the ilk of what we were talking about earlier, um, is this a good Chinese represent, uh, representative or is, is this one of the weaker teams that can maybe be taken advantage of by the Western teams? Yeah, I, I think RNG for sure are the best rep. I do think top esports would have been a lot more interesting but top esports, like top esports, had a fantastic early game, but just criminally did not understand how to play the game out. Like so many games, they smashed early against RNG because they played them twice in the double limb, and then they just fall apart. So I think top esports would have been more fun, but I think they would have probably just got annihilated by T1. I think RNG are a good representative. They're probably compared to the top four teams in the LPL. They're probably the slowest, and Wei has been a bit underwhelming in the jungle compared to the other three. So. It's kind of interesting because I feel like T1 are like the fastest LCK team and RNG are like the slowest of the top uh, LPL teams. So it's kind of like meeting somewhere in the middle compared to how the regions are. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest though, I have some reservations about them. I think Xiaohu does so much for this roster. Uh, like obviously he was phenomenal in the top lane that we've seen before, but now it's like he's constantly covering for ways. He's, he's such an active role in setting up plays. When they go for like a play bot lane, if he's not needed to assist with that, he'll like shadow bin. And if the enemy team tries to like die bin, he'll cover. Like he just makes this team work because I think bin has been horrific. And I feel like I've seen a lot of fans say like whenever people have talked about, I think uh, I saw like a, a thing on Twitter the other day that was like, 
oh, best top lane is MSI. And loads of people are like, oh, Bin, Bin's so good. Because the last time we saw him internationally was when he got that pentakill against Dan One. And then they might have watched LPL finals. And if they watched just the finals, they'll thought, hey, Bin's pretty good. He literally only showed up in the finals. The rest of the entire season, this guy has kind of been sprinting it a fair bit. And I, I really, I know he's obviously got potential as a player. Like we've seen him at his peak, but he, he feels like a bit of a vulnerability. And I think Wei has also struggled because I think Wei was a lot better when they knew they were just playing around Xiaohu in the top lane. It was like so straightforward. He could do that. Now he just feels like he's more vulnerable to invades and stuff. It feels like there's not a clear game plan. And he kind of just leans on things like Viego where he'll wait until like first Herald fight and be relevant there. But I feel like the bot lane are good. Um, which is, I think, important against T1. I think if you don't have a good bot lane, you just auto-lose against them. Um, but it's really comes down to Shahu. I think Shahu will be like the difference maker in so many games. And if a team can shut them down, which I think, you know, that's why I think G2 might be a good matchup because I think Caps is the sort of player who can go head-to-head -head with them. Um, then that's a way you can sort of hamper them. And how do you see the uh, T potential T1 uh, best of five against RNG? Do you see that being heavily T1 favoured or do you think they have a decent chance? Because obviously, again, you know, lots of people would say, oh, everyone's been saying that the LPL is overtaking LCK, blah, blah, blah. Are you really telling me that they have no chance against T1? Like, is, is that the case? Yeah, I, I think honestly, it's hard to call because I feel like sentiment at the moment is T1 is like really, really unbeatable. I do think that like they were clearly at the top of that region, but I'm also not too super sold on like the second, third place teams in that region. Like if you compare, like you had, you know, in EU and NA, you have like those big 3-0 runs coming from the losers bracket. In with T1, you have like everyone knew T1 was going to win like a month before. I haven't expected it. RNG was like such a toss-up to the end. B5 came out of the regular season, looked the strongest. Top esports were hammering them uh, in the early game, where they had to reverse sweep, and then they nearly got reverse sweep in the finals. Like they went 2-0 uh, up. And then it came to 2-2 two, two, and then they won in the end. So like, I feel like RNG being tested. So I'm quite like, I will downplay them a lot. Like I, we've seen their weaknesses, but ultimately I feel like, you know, last year people's expectations went in the high for LPL and Worlds and we ended up winning. Um, I feel like even MSI, people expected Damwon to smash it. So uh, I think people will be surprised because everyone expects T1 to stomp everything. But I also don't have my expectations super high because I do think T1 are legitimately good. Are you mute again? Oh, sorry. Thank you. Uh, Crumbs, what do you think about this group? Um, does does uh, Red Candidates, do they count as Latin America? Are they Have they got your seal of approval? Yeah, that's always a question that's tough to answer. Does Brazil count as Latin America? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. They have my seal of approval. I think so. Just, just to see them perform well. Uh, I just want to see the team do well and... That doesn't mean that I think they're going to win at all. Like, it just means, are you going to take a single game off of this? But to me, there's two teams that are clearly going to be coming out ahead. It's just Talon and RNG. Like, RNG and, and Talon always surprises. I think that's the one thing about this region that has almost happened every single time. Is you're taken by surprise. People think they're, ter they're trash. Somehow they turn up. Every single time it happens with this region, that's happened since the beginning of, of tournaments with TPA winning. This region always surprises, and I think it has to do in part with the same thing that Detonation has. 
They can play everybody. They can play all the top Asian teams. They have practice. If you get good enough, you actually get rewarded with better practice partners and your reputation carries itself pretty hard there. So I think it's these two teams and the other two, the Wildcats and Candids, will just have to fight for scraps, try to improve and use that copium to say like we learned something from getting stomped here, but that's that's really about it. And as for RNG, I think Xiaohu is one of the most exciting players, period. Just his transition from mid to top back to mid, I think is a really exciting thing to see that not many players have actually been able to do. You have players that successfully roll swap, but so few successfully roll swap and then reach the same level, if not higher, back on the return or on the alternative role. So I think Xiaohu is one of those few examples that has actually pulled that off. And that's why I'll always be watching this player perform because... He's been so consistent, and I think by the end of this year, he'll also have over a thousand pro games played, which is a pretty big mark. That's pretty nutty. Worth mentioning, by the way, um, that PSG obviously have a mid-jungle Korean duo. Uh, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I knew how good they were, but yeah, uh, that is, I don't know, do you, do you guys know about these players? I mean, to be honest, I have since Maple left, I didn't know who the mid was. This guy called Bay. Jungler's called Yuhan. Do you guys have any insight? I've seen him play when he played in the Nongshim team. Not obviously the really good one. That's actually when they replaced him. The problem I have is this. Obviously, he wasn't like the super memorable player. I was looking at the other side of the equation most of the time. The problem I have is this. Because he actually has real LCK experience and is like an actual, like a, a known Korean. I'd assume he'd be decent, but I actually think he might not be as good as Maple was because Maple was a mega veteran of international tournaments. If people don't know, like I know when in that one last year where everyone was like, wow, they're doing way better than you'd expect. Like this guy's probably been like fucking. 20 international tournaments and what are you talking about like that level of experience i think it's hard to make up for any team i think maple's honestly one of the goats of mid lane like if you look at if you went down a list obviously you've got the fakers rookies uh you know uh, and some people would obviously say maybe they don't have the titles but showmaker choby people like this but in terms of like actual performance relative to context I think Maple's like way up there. Again, I wouldn't have him. Of I mean, my old line goes like this, and this is what this just shows why they don't give players like this their respect. Mate, Maple's international. I'm just talking about eye test. Even Maple's international career shits on Bjergsen's, mate. I'm not even joking. Just go have a look, mate. How many? You know, where Maple's probably won like fucking like eight best of ones against the best Korean teams. Yeah, yeah. Are people aware? Like NA might have like you know like two wins ever as a whole region like this like, it doesn't even compare like i agree look you're not going to be obviously as great as like the fakers of the world but considering you're coming from like a tiny region that's not supposed to even be competing i think these, these people have mega overperformed they're legends they're called the korean killers the flash trolls were the ones that the korean teams wanted to avoid yeah i remember we played a uh against one of maple's teams i guess it was when he was on uh flash wolves or whatever yeah it was flash wolves we played them in an iem final once and they like we didn't we thought they were like good but we didn't think they were like that great or whatever and obviously maple you know what i really hate is the narrative that people put it like maple in the same sort of bracket as people like westor where it's like best player on your team but your team's not that great but because the onus is on you to do something every now and then you do something cool on some weird niche pick and that's like your role like playing against maple was super oppressive like i was i mean i always thought maple was good but i was really surprised it was like playing against i mean for anyone who hasn't seen it uh that sort of famous youtube clip where you can see the actual pov of showmaker against humanoid in lane where it's a uh, cinder into oriana right. it was really like that and my boy <laughs> that. 
my boy Febby was like, who's, you know, always been like very competent in lane, if not like a lame bully, was just getting absolutely toyed with. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, I think this guy is really underrated career wise. Now, how good is he now at the point in time where he's going to TSM? Well, I, from my friends who watch LPL, they might suggest not too hot. What do you think about uh, Maple going to TSM Orcs? Do you think this guy's got anything left? And we should frame it. it. It's in it's in NA, right? So I'll frame the question like that. Do you think Maple at this point in his career can do anything in NA? I, I think so. I think in NA, I think he'll look pretty good. Um, it depends if he's still motivated, but I assume he would be. Um, but I think he had a rough split in the LPL. He was on a team who definitely towards the upper, uh, bottom end, and then he got subbed out for, I think it was Forge, who people's opinion is not too high on. Um, so it definitely wasn't the best split. I feel like it would have been like a, a more promising transition if he'd gone from like straight to NA. People would have hyped him more. But I think he'll exceed expectations. Fair enough. The, the, the question of NA is always a question of willpower. Is the international player's willpower strong enough to defend against the exterior that's trying to make him a shit player? Right? <laughs> if he can combat that effectively, he can shine here. Not a lot of people have proven that they can do that. It's really tough. But if he can do that, he'll have a bright future here. The, the other thing as well, obviously, I sort of mentioned this on Twitter as well. It's like, what is his internal motivation? Obviously, when TSM bring the player in, the motivation is most of the time inherent, right? Although they obviously like to have their own little ulterior fun motives on the side sometimes, don't they? But generally speaking, if you sign a player, you're signing them because you want them to perform well for your organization. So that part's clear. Maple and how motivated he's going to be at this stage in his career, having done the things he's done. And as I said, the only comparison I'd have with Westor is that he was coming from the more minor region and the onus was on him to be this monster carry. But it is basically kind of, you know, David versus Goliath. And this guy has run the gauntlet a million times. Like, the, to me, the question is how motivated actually is this guy going to be to go to fucking LCS and like and turn TSM from like the worst team in the league into something less embarrassing, you know? Like, I do have question marks about that, but obviously we'll see. I mean, Thorin, I don't think I got your thoughts on this group again. Obviously, um, RNG will be, be big favourites. Do you sort of default as well to, to Talon on, on the basis of uh, what we've sort of been talking about here? Yeah, I would assume they should... Like, that. I, I think perennially, LMS is always underrated. Now... Look, obviously, you can't go too far and make out like they're going to win the event. They almost never could be in that position. But, like, put it this way, I am always shocked that people still think, because it's not like a region anymore. People still act like, huh, well, now that we got rid of the fifth region, that LMS, like, NA is the fourth best region. It's like, I don't even think that's true. Like, you put the best NA teams every year against the best teams from PCS. Isn't it a wash if not PCS is better? Like, does, does not anyone not remember the PCS team almost going to the final of MSI? Like, did I miss it? Wasn't Cloud9 just sat there watching them? Like, I think people always underrate those teams. I would assume they'll be that good. I actually personally think that, like, I don't think RNG is the best Chinese team. I don't even think they would have won the LPL if they've actually played against fucking V5. But sadly, Top Esports had to blue balls everyone by beating V5 and then just losing themselves. And as Ox sort of said there, like, 
<laughs> here's the problem. They don't even just get the assist. The joke is the assist for the win is on the side of fucking RNG. It was t top esports who did all the winning by fucking losing the games. They were atrocious in these matches. So, like, the problem I have is this. If I actually had to pick someone, I would have rather, like, regular season V5 went. I think that team would be amazing. I think Rookie would actually have potential to be make it a very interesting game against T1. Alas, we didn't get that. We didn't even get top esports. So we don't even get the night factor of, like, we could have some amazing team fights against T1 and fucking EG that are just team fighting team. Like, we don't get any of that, of course. So instead, unfortunately, we get a team that it's very rare you can ever get this. But we've had it two years in a row now. We've got an underpowered bloody LPL champion. Because last... And here's the thing. It's going to be worse this time. Because last year, as Ox pointed out, one of the few things that worked with the jungler is he knew, just go top. That My whole team is top. Go top. And if you did that, you had a chance to win the game. Because Xiaohu is like a perks of fucking LPL. Where he isn't about picking the best champion or winning lane or being ahead. It's just... He just knows how to win League of Legends games. This guy is just a really... Like, he's like a chess player. This guy is just really smart about the game. The problem is this. He's now my mid laner. Like, if people don't know, everyone memed on that crying guy. Crying is better at mid lane last year before MSI than fucking... I mean, who am I going to pick now? Like, Bin is at top lane right now. Like, like I, I know the name value, like Alk said, if all people only know World's 2020, you're all going to think Bin's a monster. Like, spoiler, he ain't right now. Like, that. in fact, top lane pool in China, if you don't know, split to split, that is a fucking radically changing pool. Do not ever think you could take years old narratives for LPL top laners because you just play too many games, boys. The ones that in have too many chances to win and they do it. So I think personally, like, where's the power in this team? Like, where are the laners that I'm going to go? This guy's going to smash there's no one there is actually no one i'm not joking now the cool thing is you've got ming and you've got Xiaohu. they're two players who, who do seem like they're on like the anime genius level where they fucking know what they're doing at all times so you could be like a canny little team my problem is t1's here and t1 is effectively billed as a sort of not a super team because the name value isn't there but they're billed as a team that every position is supposed to be strong they have gone undefeated they do look really hard to beat and even fake is in pretty good form again and there's the one thing you don't have if you'd have sent night or rookie, I could maybe make a case you're going to win mid lane against T1. Xiaohu's not going to win mid lane against T1. He's not even going to try. He's just going to try and win the game. The problem is, I think it's an uphill challenge. So unfortunately for me, I also just don't think it was like the best year to send this specific RNG squad because actually, unlike the damn one of last year, I don't think there's going to be the same problems. There's also not the whole bullshit people don't know last time. There was that whole thing of like them changing the date of who played when, which definitely did emotionally throw some people off. So I actually think like, look, RNG's a fun team. I'm actually a big fan of Ming and Zhao who was players but I think I don't think they've got enough in the team in my opinion to win fair enough right so now on that because obviously you made a, a point that the champions obviously wasn't necessarily the team that you would like to have seen gone I'm going to ask you guys if anything and I'm going to put a I'm going to put a uh, caveat on this which you probably won't be fussed about dodging anyway because most of you probably don't like the world's format if you could make a format change, one change to the MSI format, what would it be? And your answer, as I just prefaced, cannot be make it be the same as Worlds. Would you guys like to see maybe the two top teams? Or would you like to see sort of a, a perhaps a parallel qualification system for MSI? Maybe you have like a cup tournament that complements the league tournament and the champion goes through and also the team from the cup goes through like what what one change would you like to see to msi from a format perspective i'll start with you crumbs uh are you saying a format change right now with the same groups or if we had the like all the teams filled out 
I mean, yeah, well, assuming that the groups are made whole and we didn't have all this random nonsense going on in the background, like, how would you, what would the one change be for you to make the tournament more interesting from a format he perspective? He did say, though, like, essentially, you could also change it in the sense, like, he said, he implied you could make it, like, top two teams from each yes. other and just the winner, for example. So you can change, like, fundamentally what you're doing if you want. Okay. Oh, that's a really good idea already. Top two teams. Um... Don't mean to give man since you all wait. Yeah, you start with yours. Thing. You start with yours. I gotta I, think it. You got one here's, ready. Here's what I would do, right? When he when you say one change, I'm gonna slightly cheat. I'll take like one and a half changes. Here's why. All I would do is this. I would play out the group stage, the exact same, but all the group stage does is just it's just a form of seeding. And then essentially I would make one massive group stage. I would have everyone play everyone. That way all the wonks that go, but it's all about exposure. And what I haven't seen that team play that team. So I get all that shit out the way, but I just seed and then I just seed you in a double in bracket. There we go. That's all I'd do. Okay. I guess mine is similar to that, but the thing is my favorite tournament format is always T1. Uh, TI. Yeah. TI. So just make it like TI. Just find similar a way to, to make it like TI. Yeah. Yeah, like that tournament format, it, I'd watch just for that format. The format creates all the stories, so just give me that. Sadly, that's what the point I always make, dude. People don't even get it. It's the format, not the game. It's the format, not the game that makes that amazing. You take that format and put it in any esports game, you'll have an amazing tournament, I guarantee. Yeah. Orcs, what do you think? What would make MSI more interesting for you? Uh, I kind of like the whole TI suggestion. I feel like that's a, a decent shout. <laughs> Everyone loves TI. <laughs> Yeah. Except yeah. right. Obviously, like the one thing that they would always point to if people said, you know, make it like TI is like the scheduling is obviously more difficult or more time consuming or what have you. But again, I'm not going to put us down this road, but I think the easy response to that is basically fix your fucking domestic league schedule because that seems like a really easy way to uh, make that much less of an issue. Um, Anyone wondering, by the way, MSI runs, I think it's something like a couple of days off, the same time period as the CSGO Major. Go look how many matches they will play in the CSGO Major. Like, if people don't know, Riot is terrible at scheduling. They'll take like a month and run a tournament that could be run in a week. So I've always found all the scheduling discussions to be absolute bunk. Like, you know this, Rich. We had an entire history of esports where we did whole tournaments in three days, like with all the same number of matches. So like, to me, that was never the excuse. It was like fucking, oh, the scheduling's too hard. Like, you have probably three weeks to work with on this one or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Unless it's a huge day with tiebreakers, I think the max they do is eight at an international event they've never done more than eight games unless some tiebreaker happens they'll add more and usually if it's more than two they'll push it to the next day but i've never seen a regularly scheduled day that's got 10 matches from start to finish or even more mute again they muted yourself oh sorry sorry about that right so obviously a big talking point of um this this tournament and the the build up to this tournament has been the whole issue of Chinese the Chinese teams and uh, the Korean teams like potentially playing with thirty five ping and what have you, um, and this has obviously caused yeah a, a whole bunch of different arguments and, and sort of uh, back and forths about the rights and wrongs of this situation. I kind of want to go to you first on this, Thorin, and just get your thoughts just over, like, holistically and specifically about what you think of this whole situation, and then we'll sort of go from there. 
I mean, first and foremost, unfortunately, you can't even just address the specifics because the entire thing seems to have been caused by looping it back to the first topic. That whole thing where China seems to have valued playing in the Asian games more than playing the LPL and MSI. That just seems to be based on what their initial actions and messaging was. That's just that's just how you'd have to interpret it, I'm afraid. I don't really know what other angle you could take. Now, I understand why. And I also understand, by the way, that we are we are not coming from the same perspective as they are in the countries we live in and the scenes that we live in and the way that our Western esports has operated. Like, for example, if you know that the people who lock, stock and barrel own all of League of Legends IP are Chinese, including potentially with connections to the top of the Chinese country, it's not really a surprise they'll prioritise that. Like, they essentially, it's their prerogative to do so. Like, I can sort of get it. I don't agree with it. I'm a purist. I just care about the tournament. I want the best tournament. So in line with that, I hate the way this has been done in terms of the implementation because for example bearing in mind essentially as far as i can tell china has chosen i value this more than msi well then why do i have to pay on 35 ping to make it fine for you you chose that you value that more than msi so since you value that more you have a disadvantage at msi because you couldn't let your players go early enough so i personally think it's a disgrace that this tournament will be played with other teams having a shit ping while they are there in on land they flew to this fucking country. They had to go through all this shit just to play on 35 ping. That's just stupid. I think, I think it's actually going to make the tournament worse. And I think it also is... It's not fair that China gets to play on the same ping. It is inherently unfair to all the other teams. All you've done now is make an even an even playing field that should never exist. And the dumbest part is, because the even playing field means everyone has worse conditions, this is like if someone, if instead of it being a CSGO, uh, a League of Legends tournament, this was a race and the Chinese runner broke his leg a week before, so you broke everyone else's leg and everyone had to run on one leg. That's just stupidity at that point in time. Like You can't see how that's just like ruining the tournament like look I get this the whole political thing you have to shade in there's the fact that like there's also a very pragmatic practical reason remember I'm a purist not a pragmatist the pragmatic reason is it's a two team tournament every year it's bloody there's the one year G2 was amazing aside from that it's the LPL and the LCK compete to see who's the best in the world so yes I get it that you have essentially gimped your whole tournament if the LPL has worse conditions that's true pragmatically it's, it would be better for everyone to play on the same thing I just personally think it'd whack for CS for League of Legends history rather I'm not a fan of it. I would just go with, I would allow them to play. I mean, I'll be real. I wouldn't even allow you to play. If you cannot attend the venue, you by default have just forfeited your spot. I wouldn't even let you play remotely. But if you had to play remotely, I definitely wouldn't have everyone else have 35 ping. Everyone else has whatever you have online, in my opinion. By the way, it, the the whole like Asian games thing or whatever, how, how, how does this work? Because obviously GAM had the same thing. Was there just like, did they just qualify for both by winning their regions in in Asia? Is that how it worked? And then they like inadvertently qualify for two tournaments at the same time. Like, why is it not the case that they can both just send a different representative from their country? Oh, there is. So it's it's not it, about it the qualification. So the the way it works is they were talking about how because a lot of the players in the top teams from the LPL will be in contention for the Asian game spots. And basically, the way it goes, you have like MSI, then you have the LPL summer split, then you have Asian games, and they've had to cram the LPL split so that we can finish it in time for Asian games. So basically what was going to happen is like the, the split is so condensed. They were even talking about like going to be talked on the stream a bit. There was talks about having like four series a day or like three series every other day, things like that. And basically if RNG were to go to Korea and then return the time that they were in quarantine, they would miss like such a massive chunk of the split. It would just like, like a massive proportion. 
and like the, the split had to be condensed to make space for Asian games. So that's the reason why they weren't able to go to Korea. Um, because obviously they would they would miss such a massive. So it was the quarantine times that made it so that they couldn't go to Korea without missing the summer split. Yeah, essentially, because there's no way to for them to play in quarantine because of the, the setup and the arrangements and getting refs in, they wouldn't be able to do it. So it was basically. I feel like my view of it is like them playing remotely. Obviously, isn't ideal. The ideal is everyone's in person, but with the current situation. It would really suck if you didn't have RNG there. Like, I feel like this would be such a done tournament if it was just T1. Like, it sucks. It already but... feels like that. And I just feel like this whole thing sets a precedent to how much a single team can bend the rules to themselves or just have more things happen around the format that affect everybody. Like, like we said at the beginning, more of these tournaments are going to happen, right? As esports continues to grow, more of this will continue. So how much more could a team push and say, oh, we can't attend here or we can't do this or we can send more. And if teams just decide to realize, hey, we could just say no to this. Like maybe our, maybe we don't think we're going to win or we can do this. I, I expect that teams in the future are going to see more opportunities to not attend events on things that they think are more important and that will continue to hamper the competitive integrity or quality of the tournament that we want to see and i think this is just a slippery slope that is only now just starting but for sure more of this will happen because more of these events are coming along think about say olympics let's say few years happen somebody finally puts the olympics and they decide oh shit the olympics coincided with worlds T1 is not attending Worlds. They're attending the Olympics. Oh, no, we can't have that. Then what? Right? Like, who decides who's going to attend this event or that one? It's up to the team's discretion. Can the league push them? So there's going to be a lot more to be thought of, thought of before we get to those points. But just taking this action now shows that that thought hasn't been done yet. I know this will be a radical idea to any American viewers watching, but believe it or not, some people in the world have a hierarchy of values where the amount of money you can make isn't at the top of the pyramid. What? No. It's crazy, crazy I know. Who is that? Who does that? It's a few by, people. By the way, uh, Crumbs, I wanted to get your specific thoughts as obviously an ex-professional uh, player. If you can explain to people, and by the way, for people that don't know, when you play on LAN, there's no such thing as zero ping. Like the way land sets up, you're usually on about seven ping, seven to nine ping max, essentially. Usually about seven, actually, if you're on land. Um, what is the actual difference between seven ping and 35 ping, and how will that impact the players playing on that? So it's not that big. It, it's, a, it's noticeable, but seven to 35 isn't that big, and it should benefit everybody who already has practice with that ping so eu i think we mentioned that eu plays on that ping a lot of the time already so i think eu will have the least time to adapt to it but the problem happens in that you're grinding in korea on a very low ping and now you have to go to a different server and it really just messes with your mechanics a little bit like champions like lee sin right you're so used to the timing that you have you're trying to have abilities to be muscle memory and then suddenly the actions just come off a little bit different however I do think that Asian teams are notoriously good at not being affected by ping at all. Like they don't care. They don't talk about it. It's just they deal with it and they perform usually at the same level that they did on any other sort of ping. So I think that it won't affect them. And it's low enough that I don't think people will use it as, as an excuse, but everybody will notice it and just know that they have to suck it up and play accordingly. 
in theory, though, like the even if the ping on the scoreboard, I don't, you don't really have that in league, but whatever you would have to register the ping, even if the number says the same on the Chinese real ping and the artificially installed one that the other teams are using, the number isn't the same with ping because it's not just the raw number. It's like things like packet loss, routing. So like by default, the fact that you're just artificially putting ping on people on LAN means they will just have the number, but it'll be the best version of a 35 ping or whatever. The Chinese team will still have to route through across the ocean and stuff. So there might still be a worse connection for them. It might not still be the perfect connection, even for 35 ping, as it were. Because if people don't know, that was one of the reasons why some countries in Europe actually had way worse internet than you would see on the scoreboard. They might have had the ping number was fine, but maybe the routing was appalling in their country and went through all like low infrastructure areas and stuff. There's a lot of other factors to it as well, I think. Nice. That's a good excuse. I'll write that down for when RNG lose. Good. Packet loss. <laughs> not ping is packet loss. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Well, now I want to get your guys' thoughts basically on who you think is going to win the whole tournament. So I'll go to you, Orcs. First, who do you think, who do you have in the final and who do you think is going to win? Obviously, you know, a bit of outside pressure. Maybe you're going to pick the upset, LPL. What, what do you think? I'm going to say it's T1 RNG final. And I'm going to go with T1 for the win because I feel like, you know, if RNG then win, then I haven't set expectations. Uh, I feel like T1 are favorites, but uh, I hope for the upset. So I think you've destroyed any chance of us not having a clean sweep here. So I guess, yeah. am I right in thinking you guys are both going RNG, T1 final and T1 takes it? Or is there a universe where you could actually see a different scenario? Maybe not even RNG. I'm not sure. It's the easy bet, but I'd be surprised if T1 drops a game. I think this is such a clear win for T1 to take the whole title. I don't see any other team making this even close. It's T1 winning all the way. Yeah, the problem for me is, like I said before earlier, it's the specific LPL team. Like, there's no way that bot lane's doing anything against the T1 bot lane. The jungler of T1 is going to have a fucking field day. Then you look, okay, what if RNG doesn't even make the final? Like, G2 just isn't a super-duper amazing super team from Europe. Like, they're just good players and some veterans and a couple of inexperienced players. So I just don't think there's anyone can beat T1. I don't think it's anything to do with T1. I think T1's just, just clears the bar on everyone. There's no X factor on the other teams. Like, well, yeah, exactly. Unless they show yes. up and have like yes. some new picks or some crazy exactly. style. Because that old G2, right? It's like, oh, Pike mid, these yeah. new strategies, these crazy rolling Yasuo level two. When I was saying the teams I wanted sent, imagine a world where we're talking about rookies one playing the opposite faker now. What if we're talking about fucking Malrang scoring against... Uh, or what is their name is owner like that, that'd be the shit who wouldn't want to watch that it'll be really exciting these lineups not as not as exciting unfortunately yeah I'm gonna well, have to you only have two tournaments a year so yeah. late I didn't make it happen <laughs> if this was Flashpoint League of Legends well it'd have no good teams in it but we'd have a better structure that way. yeah I'm gonna like, yeah sorry go on I feel like just, just to add one of the things is like I was thinking about this a lot if top esports went I feel like they would be significantly more likely to not make it to the finals but also, I feel like they're such a volatile team, and especially the early game is it's so aggressive. I feel like they, they could, win. they could win. Yeah. I, I feel like the problem with RNG is like, I I don't think they. I feel like in some ways they're quite similar to T1. Um, like their priority towards Herald, right? Um, is one major aspect. The fact that Gala is such a significant for carry that for them in the late game, as is Gumusi for T1. And I feel like they're just a bit weaker. Whereas I feel like T uh, Top Esports are a different team, and that would potentially shake things up so maybe a bit of a shame cool yeah no i think i'm gonna have to co-sign with you guys that t1 takes it i mean there was this sort of storyline that 
maybe and people tried to use covid as a as an excuse in context and it is relevant but for me looking at back at the situations there weren't really any real asterisks on that split but obviously some people have said because of some of the stuff surrounding that that t1 split isn't a hundred percent legitimate like i think everyone believes that they were the best team but that maybe they aren't quite as strong as you know the narrative has been of this like completely unbeatable team. I mean, the accomplishment would imply you might be the best team to ever play League of Legends, bro. Right, and exactly, <laughs> and a lot of people sort of sort of implied Trouble. that they were at least up there. And I think that some other heads have sort of come in and say, well, whoa, 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 when you look at it all. So uh, my last question on this before we move on to our final topic is: Do you believe that T1 are a team who, at the end of let's say after Worlds has finished, for example? we will be looking at as like one of the all-time great teams. Do we believe that they have, that this lineup has that potential? I'll, I'll start with you, Thorin. Um, when we say like all-time great, are we talking like, would this be like a top 20 team of all time? Now, I'll, like I'll say, I'll say like, I mean, right up there. I'm talking Samsung, Samsung White. I'm talking season oh, five SKT. Yeah, the but, yeah, exactly. Uh, the problem is like, as you mentioned, like that, Essentially, once you look at the asterisks, like it's not really like the amazing best split ever. Perfect, like it's not, they wouldn't be the best team ever already. Put it that way. Uh, I actually think even this MSI is going to be a little bit scoffed because of the thing with the LPL and then some of the teams that qualified. Like pretty weird. Them winning this team, this is just holding serve. It doesn't doesn't make them even greater. Like as I said, if you thought that V five or top esports was going to beat them, you still think that you'll just be sat at home thinking it like they will. So I th I personally think like. They're certainly in position to sweep everything. They could win. They could actually do the. They could even be the first team to do the fucking Grand Slam, right? And win MSI and Worlds. So if they do that, I think automatically you will be like probably a top ten team of all time. In terms of the eye test, that's my only problem. Is whenever I look at when I when I think of like the top five teams to ever play League of Legends, the eye test on some of these teams is really impressive. I'm talking like unbelievable. So the problem I have with this team at the moment ties into the fact that the circuit's been a bit scuffed and this tournament's a bit scuffed. They haven't had anyone properly push them. That's the problem. Like, as much as, like, people wanted to believe in Gen G, I'm supposed to be Dan One, but everyone conveniently forgets that. So Dan One and Gen G, like... The Rocks Tigers were more dangerous to T1 than these teams were to this T1. You know what I mean? Like, Rocks Tigers looked like not only might they win Korea, they might just win the whole world. Like, these other teams are like, hey, maybe they could give T1 a great game. So that's my problem is, I feel like to ever, to really be in, like, the top five of all time, you always have to have, like, a fucking George Foreman to your Muhammad Ali. You don't just, you, you can't basically do the Mike Tyson. You can't just beat everyone up, but they're all shit. Like, that doesn't work, I'm afraid. So I, I would guess no, but just by virtue of who they're playing, unfortunately. Yeah, I would just say that I think on, like, an individual talent level, I think they could be up there, mainly because of um, the jungler owner, I think, is insane. I think this guy is, like, really, really good. And also the bot lane, I think, is up there with the best bot lane that T1, T1's ever had. I mean, when we look back at some of these legendary teams, especially the T1 teams that we put on pedestals, we do have to remember, like, people like fucking Wolf and Marin were on these teams, right? Like, to be fair, Marin was very good, but he was kind of like a one-split wonder. Like, he wasn't actually sort of as good as Worlds would necessarily or the, the results would have had, you believe. And players like Wolf, in my opinion, just weren't actually that good at League of Legends. So I think from a talent perspective, I think everyone other than the top laner, I think is like S tier. Uh, and I think the top laner is good for sure. So, but as you say, you're really sort of looking for like that 2015 EDG or well, I guess not by the time they made Worlds, but one of these sort of super mega teams to come along to kind of give them that hurdle that will take them to greatness as it were. But what do you guys think, Crumbs? What do you think about T1? 
I think they just need to win Worlds at that point. They don't even need to win the split, the LCK split, because LCK split is essentially a Worlds for the LCK teams already. So they can, they don't need to win that. They can be pushed there and then use that to get to an even greater form at Worlds and then have an incredible run. Because what you mentioned about the individual talent is what is exciting for me about this team is you can look at highlight reels of every role from this team and you think this could be an all-time great player whether it's guma yushi or carry like how many support highlight reels do you watch and that you're actually impressed by this guy has them so the bottom lane alone is already so damn good even zeus isn't as bad as i think like he's better than i think people would have him be so i think that this team definitely has the individual talent there and winning LCK isn't necessary for them to be considered an all-time great team, but they do need to win Worlds. None of this matters if they don't actually win the title at the end. And what about you, Orcs? Where, where would you... Do you think they'll be up there with the Samsungs and the uh, old T1 teams when all said and done? I mean, I feel like no one's going to compare to 2015 TSKT. I feel like their Worlds run was just on a complete other level. No one's been that dominant. Um, and I, I honestly feel like if they win Worlds, then certainly it'll be hype, but I don't think they're going to win Worlds because I feel like MSI is a fantastic tournament for this team because you're facing one Chinese team, right? And I feel like RNG is a team they will beat. But when it comes to Worlds, there's four Chinese teams. One probably bombs out in groups like FPX did. But then you'll have one who like the meta hits right and they'll just have like this huge run. And typically in the LPL, you have more specialized teams. Like you'll have different identities across them. Whereas in, in Korea, it's like everyone's, the exception was Damwon. When Damwon came along, they were like very different to what we typically saw in the LCK. But like, you know, we have T1 at the top. They will have to adapt to adapt to whatever meta comes. And if they match the meta right, then yeah, they'll they'll do well. And I expect they will do good at Worlds. But I think like we'll have this fantastic Chinese team with the meta hits just right. I mean, even like we look at EDG, meta hit just right, and they don't even make. They got knocked out quite early in playoffs. Like they had a fantastic Worlds, and then they had a decent regular split, and then they didn't make it far in playoffs. And I just feel like the the top end of the LPL is stacked. And that I think that's what's going to give us the edge of Worlds, having four stacked rosters and only one has to do well, well and win. Whereas T1, like I feel like they have so much expectations and weight when they go into Worlds. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Before we wrap up here, we have to touch on the wonderful uh, Reggie versus Doublelift situation that transpired this week for anyone who is living under a rock i'm not even actually going to lay it out lay it out for you if you don't know about it fuck off i don't care um we're just going to jump right into it i i want to start with you thorin and get your thoughts on this whole thing obviously this is like tweedle dumb versus tweedle fucking d but what was your biggest takeaway from this absolute shit fest i mean the part i just can't get over is that in order to make this as outrageous as possible and as like sensational as possible, people have to pretend like men in black style that we only just discovered this shit like a month ago or that like Doublelift is the hero who's just broken through the conspiracy of silence to out that checks notes. Reginald's a massive arsehole to people at TSM. Anyone with eyes knew that who was around the scene. In fact, I go the other way on this whole topic. Fuck Doublelift and Lena. How dare you prop this person up? Go back and check. They were openly making statements publicly about what a great guy this guy was and about how he's the winner and he's the one pushing them. Like these, they're, they're the motherfuckers 
motherfuckers who made Reginald. And then they turn around and go, to disgrace what he did. First of all, you were the star player of the team. You rejoined the team knowingly. Then your girlfriend was the president of the org. Again, I'll bring it back to before when people did that thing where they said, wow, isn't Lena doing a great job getting Doublelift's third episode of his podcast up and running? That just tells me you never believed she was actually the president of a $400 million valued company because you're impressed she did three episodes of a podcast. So similarly, if she was actually the president of this company, what? She has no power. She has no oversight. She can't even get a journalist and just say, listen, I love the company, but this guy's being an arsehole. Can you do something about it? No, none of that. So these were the people, by the way, blocking people from getting this story. These were the people we needed even unofficially off the record to tell us the stories, to be willing to come forwards privately to getting this guy dealt with from riots so fucking miss me with the tiniest violin in the world mate double if you're in no position also by the way if you want here's the irony of all ironies if you had to pick someone who as a pro player was the equivalent of reginald it's double lift he's one of the biggest arseholes of all time who thought him being a dickhead and pushing his team to do exactly what he wanted because you won lcs seen a particular theme emerging here that makes it all justified and you were right and if someone can't handle it get the fuck out the door so i find the whole thing so whack like i can't get outraged at the reginald thing i already knew it all i was bloody telling you guys it for 10 years and then the whole thing of like oh you won't believe this it turns out he's actually a bonehead who doesn't understand like corporate culture and how oh that again well this is all new information to me like what do you expect what did you expect what did you expect it's an idiot it's an idiot <laughs> yes He's an idiot. And by the way, one last thing. He wasn't even involved. But the last person who definitely catches another stray is Bjergsen. Because without Bjergsen, none of it's possible. Without Bjergsen, you don't win all those championships. Without Bjergsen, you don't think the guy must have a cool side to him. Because why would Bjergsen stay there? Why would Bjergsen have the same thing? So Bjergsen, double if the leader, can all get in a fucking boat, roll right out in the middle of the ocean, have a nice big discussion about how shit Reginald is, then fucking someone sink it. Because these cunts are just fucking annoy me now, mate. I mean, that's uh, so I don't want to match that. Uh, I've set the bar. Uh, I'm want surprised. See, you mentioned something that, that really caught my attention before, which was what happened between them that suddenly they're now turning against them because days of their lives. They're, they're all getting tell. paid constantly, you know. right? They're all working with him for it's not like for a year. Like, if it was for a year and you left, I'm like, all right, great. You sucked out the contract, you waited for something to play. This is like half a like five plus years of your life you were working is- here. Doublelift has been paid millions of dollars by this yeah. guy. Millions. So, like, what what happened <laughs> that suddenly you, you went from this kind of relationship to now you're exposing legal documents online asking for Twitter mods approval of, of this thing? Like, something um, something really fucking bad happened. a bit of a worldly here. man, a bit like me. I'm sure you've seen this before. Have you ever seen when you're in a bar and there's two guys and they don't like each other, but it's fine. You guys, so, you know, you just don't look at the guy. You stay with your friends. But the problem is the girlfriend of one of these guys, she's decided it's not just enough that you don't like him. You have to have a fight Oh, yeah. You've never seen that happen before. It's yes, weird, yes. Again, Prove your love to me. Tell him how much you hate him. I'm getting a bit of a vibe of that going on, mate. Because uh, all you need to yes. know is this. Double if technically had already left TSM, right? I've noticed this all happened when Lena left TSM. That's the interesting sort right. of lighting of the touch paper as it was that seems to be what has brought the bigger sort of campaign as it were right because right? right? she could ignite his fire and be like exactly. I, oh, he did all this he's like he did this to you i can do something about it i, exactly. I can't fight him but i can do something exactly then, Baby, you right. can light my fire exactly yeah. <laughs> i think uh like yeah <laughs>
But I, I mean, I think the bottom line is to answer your question, Crumbs. I think it became fashionable. I think there was just like such an overwhelming uh, stream of anti-Reggie stuff coming one after the other. One like it became easy. Like they they could stop being cowards essentially. Like I've seen arguments talking about how. Uh, Lena was in an impossible position and she was basically a victim and a prisoner and blah, 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 like because she was in TSM and how can she say anything like this is all nonsense like as Thorin said you don't have to come out and say hey I'm Lena of TSM and this is my story you can give us as much information as you want and people can say oh well maybe she did that but probably not based on the, Rich, the all you need to know of... is this. I'm not exaggerating higher up people at companies you're going to think hate Richard Lewis Riot Games Reddit higher up people contact Richard Lewis with information about exactly this like they'll what they'll say is like I'm sort of one of the cool people in the company like I'm, I don't want to come out publicly but I just don't agree with this and so I'm going to yeah. give you the info like it is done on a regular basis this isn't like some pipe dream we're imagining absolutely and the, the biggest like nonsense I've seen is people trying to uh, recontextualize Lena's position and say yeah I mean she was the the president but actually she didn't have all the normal uh powers and say of a president and actually reginald is the secret president so uh she was hamstrung and couldn't do it it's like what are you doing like apart from anything else for you uh, to have a modicum of self-respect and dignity if you are the president you have to carve a scenario out where you don't come out of this looking like a complete enabling dickhead and she just failed to do that i have no by definition you are responsible you're the yeah, president that's absolutely. the job the job is to be responsible yeah. for it all and it doesn't look good if you come out after the fact and say actually uh, as per my contract it says my responsibilities are excellent i'm just like what, what are we doing here what i would say is she's at least removed that um that pin tweet from her twitter which says like life is easy or whatever just don't be a dickhead so you know she's slightly slightly less of a hypocrite than she was about three Maybe she had an earlier. epiphany or something so <laughs> What's going to happen for me? Do we think TSM is going to get kicked out of the league? Worst thing happens. Oh, wait. Is... Come oh, on. No, 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 right. no. Like, what That's could actually happen? But what it... could actually no, happen? Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. So, I understand, and someone pointed something out that I had actually missed out on uh, the situation, which is California has some super uh, generous clauses when it comes to uh, defending the em employee over the employer, which is whatever, fair enough. Not going to get too much into that. But. I did kind of want Reggie to follow through and sue Double Lift. Not really so much because of this this situation itself. Like I don't favour uh, Reggie over Double Lift or vice versa. Like I think all these people involved are just completely despicable in their own different ways. Reggie, I would say, is the worst. You know, however much uh, I might not like the other two. But the reason I wanted him to sue him is because I want there to be some actual precedence for people insisting on accountability in fucking esports. Like, contracts to people are still just meaningless. Like, it's insane. And again, maybe there is a technicality where, because he's outing certain types of information, whatever, I don't give a fuck. I want to see people actually give a threat and then follow through on the threat. Not because I want to see justice in this instance, but because I don't want people to always be dancing around saying, oh, well, if you don't do this, I'll sue you. Uh, you shouldn't have to do that. People should just be honest enough to actually honour all parts of their fucking contract, of the thing that they as an individual with their own volition get to choose to sign or not sign. It's your name that you physically write on the dotted line or not, and it would be nice to see there actually be a level of accountability for that. I don't want to see a 100 lawsuits afterwards. I just want there to be at least one example of when someone said, fuck it, I'm actually suing, 
and for it to happen. So when actually people say, hey, look, dude, please, can you actually honor this thing that you promised that you do? That there is at least that real threat that, you know, the downside could be there is a consequence. Because right now, all these fuckers are just running around thinking, if I decide to go against my contract at some point, it doesn't really matter. Nothing's going to... He might say he's going to sue me, but he's not actually going to sue me. There are zero cases of people actually successfully suing other people in esports. So what do I have to fear? And I would actually like to see one case where something comes of it and people can actually think, fuck me, next time I think about signing a contract, I might have to ask myself the question, am I actually giving this promise and these guarantees to these people or am I just being a money-grabbing little cunt who's going to disregard every other part of the contract other than what my salary says I should get? So that's why I... By the way, though, that is where, though, you realise, like, double lift in many ways is still that kid from that fucking weird picture with crumbs in, like, season one fucking championship. Like, I don't think he's fully aware. Like, wait a minute. These people paid me millions of dollars and have all these contracts I've signed. There could one day be consequences to things I'm saying and revealing now. He hasn't thought that through. He still thinks this is, like, 2011 and you can just leak anything on the internet. Like, lol, what are they going to do? It's like, bro, they paid you millions. They could do a lot of things. And by the way, if you're a fan out there going, but Reginald is the bad guy and he's the abusive one, so he would win the court that's not the way the law works at, at all like there's even scenarios it's going to be really crazy if you don't know this where you can even say the truth about someone it can damage their reputation what you said is true and you can still get sued for that that is possible you have to look into these things there's so much people don't know like the law is by definition incredibly wide open area where it's about your skill of arguing and what different examples you give like fans all think it's just obvious they think it's like a bloody chart like right uh, C7 oh Reginald's the bad guy so he loses right next like these are fucking really complicated matters and I think actually everyone involved in that scenario is really underselling the fact like here's how you know by the way those valuations are nonsense if this was a real 400 million dollar company there would be a boatload of fucking lawsuits for all these people Lena would be there double if they were there even I mean, he hasn't done it yet, but if someone like Bjergsen ever came up, they'd all be getting fucking the subpoena or whatever the fuck. Like, they'd be all be in trouble, mate. You know what I want to see? And I think this is the best opportunity for it with Lena's new position because she's working now at Offline TV, which already has one of their influencers doing a boxing match. She, in the efforts of having Double If fight for her, could totally set up Double If versus Reginald in the first actual cross esports fight. And that would really get the viewership going. That would reignite everyone's interest in the LCS. Whatever. I mean, that is that is easily the largest viewed stream on Twitch if you set that up right now for a few months from now. Just have Reggie versus Doublet, boxing match, no Listen, need to sue each other, just fight. No, no, I agree. You don't sue, but it obviously has to be WWE loser leaves town. Loser leaves, right, Lou, what is maybe, it? So maybe Reggie steps down. Maybe this was already sports. the plan. Like, this is like the, you know, like the Paul brothers, like Logan Paul. This is the plan think the whole about time. It. It was so much money in that, right? You sell sell a pay-per-view for it, get sell whatever you want to organize it. You're having at least half a million viewers watching Reggie against Doublelift. At least. At least. That's... I'd watch. Come on. <laughs> Who's not going to watch either of these people get punched in the face by each other? I mean, you're you're already assuming a lot way beyond both their abilities. I'd imagine that either would land. A That's the point. Punch. They don't but, have the ability. They have to train for it. <laughs> but you know what? What one thing on similar lines of you know fighting each other. One thing I really despise is when someone like Path comes out 
and says, ha, back in the day, if people had a disagreement, we'd just make a new team and duke it out on the rift. It's like, fuck off. Apart from anything else, you were there the whole fucking time as well, you little weasel. Where's your testimony to on either side? You know, it's not like it's come out. It's just pathetic fence-sitting bullshit and then trying to, like, make a mockery of it by suggesting that, oh, yeah, well, let's just duke it out on the rift. Like, all these allegations back and forth are fucking, you know, just remind people, we're talking about player abuse. Like, literal player abuse. So, so it sounds like he's just like a sleeper agent for like Riot Games. Like, hey guys, yes. stop with all the real life shit. Let's solve this where it matters on the Rift. Like, what's this commercial? Like, what that are we doing was, now? Like, what? That was the ultimate. Is there ultimate... a new version of Twisted coming out? What's going on? What, what are we doing? <laughs> but have you noticed, by the way, Thorin? This is like th that is actually spot on. This is it's like true. whenever there's a big controversy, there's always a guy called like. Riot, uh, Riot Bobbington, who says something like, why can't we all just uh, settle this on uh, Aram? Uh, here's my right, and me, guys. And then you're like, who the fuck's this guy? And then you click on this name, and it's like, Riot, lead champion designer. Or maybe like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, it's just, the, it's the copy-paste play for any random pleb that works at Riot to, like, try and minimize this super serious thing that's actually going on. But, yeah. Uh, but anyway, cool. Yeah, so on that bombshell... I think we'll call it there, guys. So thank you very much for watching. And I may not see you next time because I have some uh, real-life stuff going on that I'm not really sure. But Side Select obviously will be back at some point. So catch you guys then.